Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Amen. I'm a good preacher because I brought my timer. (laughs) You can thank me later. It might go off, but... (laughs) All right, let's start with prayer. Lord, I just thank you so much for this day today, Father. I thank you so much for this opportunity to just speak your word, Lord, to to just put the things that you put on my heart out here for every single individual here. I pray, Father God, that you would just bless this message today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just communicate this message clearly, and Lord, just bless the hearer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thankful for Pastor Reuben. Like he said, I'm thankful to have my family here and thankful to be here with the Living Word family. So praise God. So today I want to give a message and I want to give this message and it's entitled The Gift of God. Amen. The Gift of God. How many know we're here? It's time to celebrate Christmas. We all got our presents ready, hopefully. You know, maybe they're not wrapped, but today I want to talk about the gift of God. Amen. How many here know the Lord? How many know who God is? Amen. Maybe you know of God if you don't know who he is, right? And how many know the God of the Bible, right? The God that we serve, our God, he is three in one. Do you all know that? Three in one. Before pastor called me and and said, hey, I want you to speak this message, I was in the shower and I had this vision and it was in my mind, I had my eyes closed and I saw three candlesticks on one lampstand. And I thought, what does this mean? And and my hand was holding it up. It wasn't anything super spiritual, you know, you meditate in the shower sometimes, right? And then next thing you know, Pastor Reuben called me up and and it was like this this revelation started coming back to me and I was thinking of the three in one. And it made me remember that our God is three in one and that vision really cemented it in my mind because sometimes, how many know God is so much higher than we are? We cannot understand his nature to the fullest. But sometimes he gives us pictures and revelations in our mind. And when I saw those three candles lit and lifting it up, and I said, okay, I'm going to lift up three in one, our God. Amen. You know, if you look in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, we see this this doctrine of the Trinity, we call it, preached. If you turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse in the Bible, it says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with the Trinity, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But if you begin to look behind the scenes and you look at that word that says God, and you look at the Hebrew word for God, you know what it is? It's Elohim. Amen. So in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And that word Elohim is actually a plural word, meaning more than one. The the real word for God in Hebrew is Eloha, right? But Elohim means many, plural. And you say, well, what does this mean? Why is the Hebrew Bible? Why does does the God, you know, we know that, that the Jews, they came and they said, our God is one. They came in and they brought in the one true God. So why does it say Elohim, why is it plural? Because it's, first of all, an indication of the fullness of God. 
right? That he is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come, right? That he is almighty, all-powerful, the God above every other God, but it's also a foreshadowing, a foretelling of the fact that our God is three in one. Amen? I know this seems, you know, sometimes we look at this doctrine and we say, why is it important to know these things? Why is it important to focus on these things? And it's important because it will teach you something deeper than you have. And today when we go and we we think about Christmas, I want you to realize that the gift that God gave us came from Elohim. The gift of God is is a present that is being held out to you today. And it's not just from the Son. It's from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three in one, here to just give you this gift. Amen? And so as we start to think it through, we have to realize, well, what is the gift of God? What is God's gift? And when we think about it, it all starts with the Father. How many know you need a Father, right? You need a Father to bring forth life, right? And in the Word of God, in the book of Genesis, we see that God the Father, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Amen? So what does God have to do? What does God the Father have to do with this gift? He created it. Amen? It was the gift of life. Sometimes we forget that. Right? The gift of life. God created man. Why did he create us? There are so many people who are lost in this world because they don't realize that Elohim, the God of the Bible, created them for one reason and one reason only, so that he can have fellowship with them, so that he can have a relationship with them, so that he can be their God and they can be his people. Amen? See, we are so thankful that we're in this church today because we know who this God is. And if you don't have that, If you don't understand the author, if you don't understand who created you and why he made you, there's something missing. And we see that with so many people nowadays. And so God the Father, he came and he created life in the Garden of Eden. And it's pretty interesting when you see it because God, he gave them free will. Amen. How many love freedom? Right? Nobody wants somebody telling them what to do, right? We want to make our own choices. And God, when he created man, he put him in the garden and he gave him free will. And he said, this is your spot. Not only that, but he created him this beautiful wife. Amen? And then he put them two in a garden. Hallelujah. I mean, that's a gift, right? And guess what? They were naked. Ah. Now it's getting better, right? And they were unashamed, right? There was no sin. They were, they were there. They were pure. They were the first couple. And they were just there. And God created this. Do you see what he wanted? Do you see the gift that he gave us from the beginning was life. There was fellowship with one another, our, our wife. It was, it was to create families, to be fruitful and multiply, and to have a relationship with him. But you know, when we look in the Bible... We see that God, along with free will, he gave mankind a choice, right? Because you can't have free will if you can't choose to serve God or choose not to. Amen. So God gave them one commandment in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. It says, And the Lord God commanded man of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Amen. Simple, right? It's easy to understand, but it's profound. Because God gives us free will. We can choose to serve him or not. Amen. The light of the world, the most holy God, he set up this whole planet so that we can have this place, this opportunity to freely choose him, to freely accept the gift of, of salvation, to freely love him and serve him, to obey his word over our own. And when you look in the story in the Garden of Eden, you see that mankind, they were given this freedom, but the enemy came in. And tried to destroy it all. And you see there in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. The enemy had come in and he started to speak to the woman. And what did he do? He started to cause her to question God. He started to ask her to reason within herself. Did God really say this? And isn't that what he does to all of us? Isn't that what he's doing in the world today? Is God really true? And did he really create you? Or are you just a monkey? Evolved. Right? Some of us might be, I don't know. <laughs> right? You see the world, right? They, they have these questionings of God. Right? And the same thing the devil did there in, in Genesis 3, 6. It says, so when the woman, she started to reason in herself and she saw that the tree was good for food. Right? The lust of the flesh. Amen? This is the prototype of every sin. The lust. Ooh, that looks good. I want it. Right? Then it says, she saw it was good. It was pleasant to the eyes. Ooh, look at that thing. Shiny. I got to have that, right? The lust of the eyes. And then what did it say? And it was a tree desirable to make one wise. I'm going to be like the Most High God. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to promote my own wisdom over God's commandment. And so they took the bait. It says that she took of the fruit and she ate it, and she also gave it to her husband. And so we see here that God created this beautiful creation. He gave them free will. He gave them the choice to serve them or serve him, but they sinned. And they fell short. And when they did that, they caused a curse to come on all of humanity. Amen. How many know that? Oh, you know it. You know it when somebody cuts you off, right? You know it when you have a fresh little two-year-old, you know, a little baby. No, never, nobody can influence them. They're pure. Then all of a sudden they say, mine. They take it. You know, they say, no. You know, they start throwing out all this attitude. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from this, uh, this, this sinful nature that exists in all of us. And where did it begin? It began right here with the first two people on the earth, Adam and Eve. And they passed down their sinful, gen their sinful genes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And that sin nature came down to each and every single one of us. And what was the whole point was because the devil wanted to destroy the work of God to wreak havoc on mankind. And can you imagine, you ever give your kid freedom? Right? Some of you parents, you give your kid freedom, go do this. And what do they do? They do something terrible with it. Huh? I know I was probably that kid. Go do whatever you want and then all of a sudden they're doing all sorts of stuff. Can you imagine God though? He said, here's free will. And the thing that's different between God and us is he knows the end from the beginning. 
He saw every single step of the way. He knew as soon as they took a bite of that apple, that all of a sudden, uh, that fruit, all of a sudden the sin was going to come. And he saw every sin. He saw your sin even the other day that you did, that nobody else here knows. He knows He's hit the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth. He knows and he knew it at the very moment that this sin was going to wreak havoc. So imagine how he felt. His beautiful creation marred. But you know, we serve Elohim. Amen. We serve an almighty and all-powerful God. So did he leave creation in this fallen spot? No, he began to put a pla in place a, a, a solution, and that solution was redemption. Amen? But see, because, you know, if you know this, I don't know if you know this, but all of us by nature, we're separated from God in our spirit. Do you understand what that means? Do you, do you remember what it was like before you were saved? It says that we were alienated from God. How many know that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth? Right? And so we were separated from God. And you can see that even in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 when they ate of the apple, when they ate of the fruit, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God or from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. You see, because that sin caused a separation. Anybody ever done something to somebody else? You know, you lied to them. You sinned against them. You did something to them that was harsh, that was mean. You put a trap in their place, you know, so they would hit it. And what happens? You're separated from them, right? You get in an argument with your wife or your husband or something goes on in your family. What happens? You get separated because sin separates. And we were all by nature separated from God from the moment that this happened. And so we needed a salvation. And so what did God the Father do? You all know the verse, right? What does it say in John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who shall... Sorry. Of course, I mess it up when I'm reading it. My kids could probably say it. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? So God gave his son. This is the gift of the father. Amen? The gift of the father. And notice this. What does it say? His only begotten son. What does that even mean? We don't, I, don't, I didn't know what that means, so I looked it up. Only begotten son. You see, we create things. How many create things? Right? You might be creating some tamales for Christmas and the next, you know, today or tomorrow, whatever. Just getting them all ready. You're creating these things, right? And what are you doing? You're creating something. When you create something, it's not of the same nature as yourself, right? It's something different from you. But when you beget something, it's like begetting a child. I have my only begotten son right here, Solomon. And I begot him. He's of the same nature as me. You, you'll see it if you know him. When you get to know his personality, there's so many character traits that are the same. Well, God gave his only begotten son. What does that mean? He is of the same nature of God. What does that mean? He is God. He's one of those candles on that lampstand. He is part of the Trinity. God the Son. Amen? This is important for us to understand. Romans 5.12 says, Through the one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. 
Do you understand that? Death spread because all sinned. Right? You might say, well, I didn't sin. But you see the oneness of humanity, right? Like, if you had a grandpa, a great-grandpa, and he died before you were born, where would you be here today? Where would you be? You wouldn't exist, right? Because you're in your grandpa, right? You're in your great-grandpa. You come from the same lineage, right? And so in the same way, when, Christ, when, when Adam sinned, it caused condemnation and death to come onto all of humanity because we're in Adam. And so what did God do? He sent his only begotten son, which is God, right, in the flesh. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, to redeem mankind, but he does it in this very interesting way. You know, we all know the story of the virgin birth. Who knows that story? Right? This is Christmas. This is what we're celebrating. Right? We see the little baby. And what does it say? That it was prophesied as early as Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14, probably even earlier. Right? I know even in Genesis. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And his name, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us, God with us, right? So what is the significance of this virgin birth? Why is it that it says in, in there, uh, in, in Isaiah about this virgin birth, and then also in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, when we see the birth story of Jesus Christ, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, after his mother was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child, look what it says, of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do you see it? Are you catching this, church? We had this corrupt creation. You know, God made it perfect, but they chose to, to sin. They chose to disobey God. And so all of their children were corrupt. All of their children were born in sin because they were in Adam. All of us are in Adam by our nature, by our flesh. It's passed down. You don't create the life, right? You get it passed down to you. Right? And so we were all in sin. So how could a sinful man redeem sinful man? There was no way. So what did God do? He, the Holy Spirit, came there to the Virgin Mary before Joseph, his father. And Mary, you know, sealed the deal. Right? <laughs> and it says that she was found with child. From the Holy Spirit. You see, this is God coming in to flesh, God incarnate. And why is this important? Because only God could come. He was not corrupted by sin. He was a perfect seed. He had perfect obedience. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, what do you see? You see a man of sufferings, but a man of obedience to God in the utmost. And he came and he lived. He, he resisted the devil that tempted him in every way possible. He resisted the, the religious rulers and all the people that tried to tell him, you can't obey God. And, and in the face of it all, he was perfectly obedient to his father, the father who sent him to redeem mankind. So that perfect sinless life that he lived, he then laid down. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. The payment for sin is death. Amen? And so he had to lay down his life. You know, it's like if you, if you didn't have the Lord, if you, you had just man to redeem man, it would be impossible. 
right? It's like somebody who's huge, they got a huge amount of debt, but they want to pay your bills. But because God came in, in the flesh, he could bring about this new creation, right? And this is a gift that we all have an opportunity to accept in our life. Amen. This is a beautiful thing is that we can be taken out of the old creation, right? And we know that we inherit from the sinful nature in our flesh. But in our spirit, if we will accept the Lord Jesus Christ in our heart, if we will confess him as the Lord and Savior of our life, God will take us out of Adam and put us in Christ And in the heavenly places at that very moment that you say, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, there will be a change inside of you and you will become regenerated. And all of the sin that was just separating you from God will be forgiven and you can be made close again to God. That same creation that God the Father had, he desires to work that in you today so that you can have that oneness. Amen. So this is the whole point of God sending his son. And this is the whole point of the virgin birth. And when it says in Romans 5.8, I like the way Paul puts it there. 5.18, excuse me. It says, therefore, as through the one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Remember, Adam sinned and judgment came on us all. It says, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through the one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. Do you understand that now? Do you understand that? That God came and he, he brought justification? In verse 19 it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful? How many of you are thankful? Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many are thankful for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? You see, because the story isn't over yet, the gift isn't done. You know, he's not done giving to you because not only does he offer you salvation, Forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, which has to do with the moment that we pass away, right? We're going into eternity. We're going to be absent from body is to be present with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. But he doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just leave us there. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Remember, this gift of God comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see in John chapter 14, verse 16, where Jesus, he's getting ready to to ascend into heaven. And look what he says to his disciples before he ascends. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17 says, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. How many are thankful for the spirit of God in your life? Amen. I'm so thankful. 
You know, the Spirit of God, it says that he will pray. The, the Son says, right? The Father sends the Son. The Son says, I will pray the Father. You see how the Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're three, and they always act in one accord. The gift of salvation, the gift of life, all of these things God did in one accord. And it says that he will give us another helper. How many need a helper? I need a helper, right? Because, you know, we're messed up. Remember, we still have that flesh. We still have, you know, so much corruption in our own nature that we fight against each other. Amen. We sin against each other. We're not perfect, right? We're still dealing with that. So we need a helper. We need the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit is the helper. And guess what he's called? The word helper there, it means paraclete, which means to have somebody by your side like a lawyer that argues your case before God. Amen. He's there to help you. He's there to give you wisdom. He's there to give you truth. He's there to speak all of the things of Christ into your life so that when you open up the word, right? We know the word became flesh. You open it up and you start to read it. Anybody ever had this? You read this verse 50 times and it didn't even make sense. And then all of a sudden you open it up and the spirit of God just boom, hits you with it. And you say, oh man, you want to go tell everybody. Do you see this verse right here? Look at this truth. And they look at you like you're crazy, right? They look, I mean, I've taught about the Trinity before. Usually people are like, it's spiritual. You need the Holy Spirit in order to understand the truth of God's word. Amen. How many know that? You see, we are commanded as pastors to, to, to focus on the doctrines of the Bible. Why? Because it will save the souls of those who hear it. Because once you understand the mechanics and what's going on behind the scenes, you start to waken up and you say, you know what, I realize this is that there's a spiritual world that God is working inside of my spirit and that he's trying to do a work and it's spiritually discerned. You know, the world does not see the things of God, but we see them because the spirit of truth abides in us and he makes real the things of Christ. Amen. If you don't know this verse, you should learn it and memorize it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11. I think this is probably one of my favorite verses. It says, but if the same spirit of whom, Christ, or of whom raised Christ, Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so I'm about to drop some spiritual truth here for you, okay? Try to receive it in your spirit. What is this saying? It's saying that even though you still have a sinful flesh inside of you, you know, even though you have cravings, you have desires. You have sinful nature inside of you. If you can learn how to be spiritual, okay, and tap into the Spirit of God through prayer, through fasting, through reading your word, through meditating, through being open up to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, what will happen is all of a sudden the same Spirit, okay, that raised Christ from the dead will quicken, will give life to your mortal body. So what does this mean? Is that the Holy Spirit is not just there to teach you or to help you. He's there to empower you. 
He's there to give you spiritual power to be able to stand in the spiritual realm and fight against the flesh, fight against the world, fight against the devil. Because if we are Christians, but we're fleshed out, we're defeated. We're just sitting there. We're just... You ever see somebody like that? I know we all have, right? If you've been in church long enough, you see somebody, you say, man... If you would just understand the power of the Spirit of God. You know, I'll give you something. There are so many sins in this world that sap us. They run us dry. You ever seen somebody so dry? You could tell they're compromising. You could tell they're sinning. They're, they're, they're giving into the flesh. But let me tell you something, church. If you want to understand how to be victorious in your life, it all starts here by walking according to the things of the Spirit, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit instead of the things of the flesh and realizing that it's the power of God that overcomes those addictions inside of you. I am a man who has struggled with addictions in my life. I'm not afraid to admit it. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. If you were to give me the opportunity to go do this sin and I was just fleshed out, I would do it. Because I'm not stupid enough to think that I'm some sanctified, oh, you know, holier than thou. That's why I don't hang out at a bar or, you know, the pot shop or whatever, right? Come on. You can't be foolish, right? That's foolish. Why? Because we still have that flesh. And we need to walk according to the Spirit of God inside of our life and not let the lust of the flesh control us. But I can tell you that the thing, the one way that I was able to overcome, and I say I, but it's not me, it's Christ in me, right? The only way, and I tell you today, if you're struggling with an addiction in your life or some sort of sin that you feel like it has the dominion over you, Death no longer has dominion over you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And if you would just reach down inside of your spirit and start to have dominion because of the power of the grace of God inside of you. Do you understand? There is, once was a separation between God and man. Right? We were alienated from him. Okay? And when we, when we got that forgiveness, right, it allowed the Spirit of God to enter in our spirit again. So if you think of that old nature that was corrupt and always had dominion, you know, whoever tried to quit something? Come on, somebody did. I tried to quit. I tried to quit so many things, and I always failed, right? I never wanted to smoke, right? I was telling my kids that the other day. It was horrible. I hated it, right? You ever get a cold and you smoke? You, go, you, you know, take a drink. Ah, it's like you're breathing in fire, right? You stink. People look at you funny. You got to keep paying all this money to, right? I never wanted to do that, but I couldn't quit. I hated it. I had no power. And it wasn't until I got saved. It wasn't until I came to the foot of the altar and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in my life that I had the power of the Spirit of God. And I remember going back and getting high. You ever did this? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. I got saved and I remember going back. Right? You ever went back? I went back. Don't raise your hand. And I remember sitting there and getting high. You know, I'm like, oh, now I'm sneaky, you know. Oh, I'm going to do these drugs. And I would get high, and then all of a sudden I felt shame. I felt guilt. 
I felt separation. I felt a grieving inside of me for the first time that I never felt. It was something spiritual. It wasn't the same hatred I had for my own sinful flesh. It was something inside of me. It was the Spirit of God who was like crying out. It's like the Spirit of adoption. You're no longer in chains to sin. You no longer have to serve sin, child of God. You have victory. And it was like the power of the Spirit of God made me overcome that sin. I don't, today, I don't want to be high. I don't want to do drugs. How many are thankful for a clear and sober mind? Hallelujah. Oh, man, I am thankful for that. How many are thankful for all of the sins that God delivered from you, that they're gone? Amen. We don't have to worry. We're delivered. We're set free. We accepted the gift of God in our life, and he gave us deliverance from these things. And so I want to encourage you today. If you're out there and you're somebody who doesn't know the Lord, you haven't accepted this gift. I know a lot of us are saved, right? A lot of us here know the Lord, but maybe, there's, maybe you're somebody here today that you haven't accepted the Lord in your life. Amen. I want to encourage you, reach out to the Lord. Amen. Amen, today. And I'll give you an opportunity in a minute. I want to end with one or two last things here by saying this, church, and I want to speak this to all of you because all of us here are probably family, right? Some of you are actually related to each other. Some of you are just like Christian family, right? But I'll tell you something like this. Whenever we sin, Whenever we have sin in our life, it causes havoc in our families. You guys know that? Everybody know that? Sin will, will just wreak havoc on your entire family. And I want to tell you something that's very profound that God has given to me and blessed me with in my life, which is this. The closer that we get to God, the closer we get to all of those who are getting closer to God. Amen? The more that you know the Lord, the more that you serve him, the more that you understand his power, the more he's working inside of you, the less fleshed out you are, right? The more spiritual you are, the more you get close to those who are like-minded. And so together as a church, as we're here, if you're saved and you're somebody who already knows the Lord, I want to encourage you today to keep pressing in for your loved ones. Because we need to give this gift of salvation. We need to be there as a representative of God to our families. Amen? Because if we can do that, that's the only thing that can cause peace in our homes. You know, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Why do you think it is? Well, he made peace between God and man. Amen? But he also makes peace between us as Christians with other Christians. You know, some of you here, I know you, I see your face. I come back, it's been so long since I've seen you, and it's like I see my own family member. Why? Because we both have the Spirit of God working, and I can see the suffering you've been going through on your face, and I feel it, and we look at each other, we say, oh man, but God is good. God is wonderful, he's faithful. And so I wanna, like we have this, this fellowship one with another. And so I want to encourage you believers in here. We have to stand in the gap for our family members. 
We have to be willing to pray, to get down in the spiritual realm. And we're not praying that they're going to be better, like we're going to reform them. We're going to make them into something. We're going to tell them one word, and, you know, we fall into that. Well, I'll say this to them, and they're going to hear it, and they're going to change this time. No, nothing changes you but the power of the Spirit of God. Amen? So I want to have all of you all today stand up, if you don't mind. And I hope that this word was okay for you, because I know sometimes that doctrine, it'll hit you when you get home. Amen? <laughs> and the next time the enemy comes to attack you, you'll remember that the Spirit of God, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost.